oftentimes hiring leaders want these elaborate hiring processes yeah. just so that if it goes south there's blame to go around just to be honest like it's it's, uh, it's like i wasn't yeah. i wasn't the only, the only person that said yeah like, like like they spoke with all these different people <laughs> and we all made a decision to hire this person so while you're looking for a job like learn a new skill yeah because the more time that goes by now you're out of work you know three months four months five months technology is moving fast yeah. so now companies are looking for something different yeah. and i know if i want to talk to you i want to know like what have you been doing other than just looking for Job, yeah. like. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. Thank you, BetterHelp, for sponsoring this episode, but more about them later after the interview. So in the tech industry, one of the things that we talk about is how it's constantly evolving, constantly changing, like it's things that you need to stay up to date with. No matter what your job is in tech, whether you're in the cyberspace or if you are in the product space or even the pre-sale side of things, you always need to stay on top of changing trends. Well, the same thing can be said for the recruitment space where as times are changing, so are the tactics that are involved when it comes to you really getting a job in the tech industry or just in any industry in general. So it's like, okay, what does that look like? What does it look like to stay on top of the evolution of really getting a job? One of the things we've been seeing recently, reports have been coming out, where they're saying the average person is taking them between three to 600 applications before they're able to land a job. And part of that, I believe, is due to some of those changes and updates where the average person isn't aware of some of those tactics to make themselves stand out or be a good fit for the type of role that they want. That being said, we have a guest that is on here today that's going to be able to give us some insights in terms of some of the changing trends, advice, hacks when it comes to uh, essentially when it comes to like recruitment, but ultimately when it comes to you getting the type of job or career that you want. As always, though, we're going to put respect on our guest's name by reading off his bio. Our guest today is Nate Wiley. So Nate Wiley is a talent acquisition strategist and career hacker. He is known for his transformative approaches in startups and big tech, focusing on an efficient recruitment processes and professional development. With a diverse background ranging from an impactful role as a vice president at a startup to leading recruitment for Lyft's data science and machine learning teams built on a foundation of 12 years in talent acquisition. Nate's innovation in recruiting has saved costs and streamlined processes. Fueled by a passion for helping individuals navigate their careers, Nate's unique blend of experience and dedication makes him an insightful thought leader in the talent acquisition domain. As always, give a virtual round of applause, snap your steering wheel, snap, snap your steering wheel, tap your steering wheel if you're driving uh, for our guest today, Nate Wiley. Nate, thank you, bro, for being on Tech is a New Black. Nah, man, I appreciate the invite. Thank you. Yeah, dude. So Nate got to experience the team cracking on me. Like they were wilding out on me, <laughs> talking about how tight my talking about how tight my pants are. I actually came out and admit you, you know how you know how like you admit something before people see it because you think you like yo if I say it. Like they're not gonna crack on me because I said it first. That it didn't help. It did not help at all. <laughs> it did not help at all. They they we actually started like two minutes late because they were roasting me for so long. So um I'm luckily we don't have a dynamic camera right now because because Eric definitely put the camera on. He'll zoom in on my No, stop Eric. Stop. <laughs> all right, cool. So look, let's get into it. We got a, a a bunch of different questions that we have. I'm really excited about this conversation. Yeah. And so yeah, let's go ahead and jump into it. So first off, I want to know how did you how did you initially get into technical recruiting? Because I mean, you've been doing it for a minute. Like you're, you're like official. Yeah, yeah. I feel old when I was reading the bio. <laughs> um, but I originally got into recruiting like back in 2011. Okay. So 
I started off in staffing, then moved in-house in around, I want to say like 2017, 2018. Yeah. I'm always on LinkedIn anyway, recruiting. I was working for a manufacturing company. And honestly, what really got my attention about the tech space was the recruiters in the tech space were always on LinkedIn talking about how much fun they were having, how the culture was. They got breakfast in the office, like all this kind of stuff. Yeah. And so I was like, okay, my work isn't like that like mm -hmm. I, I need to figure out like how do i you know move over into the tech recruiting space and mm -hmm. so that's when i found lyft joined lyft in 2018 and been doing the the tech recruiting since then so that's funny so, so you say you joined lyft in 2018 mm -hmm. i joined lyft around 2019 but it was as a lyft driver <laughs> so we both <laughs> so we both were at the same company <laughs> but <laughs> So it's funny you say that because I, when people used to ask me who you work for, I work for Lyft. Oh, they are. People thought I thought I was driving. They was like, "Oh, you make good money doing that." I like no corporate side. Like, <laughs> like you put, yo, put some respect on my name. Don't try me, corporate side. That's that's a list. You know, it is funny because generally people people almost don't even think about that side. Of the bed, like it don't exist. They think like the app just just runs just, itself. Yeah, that's how people think. They're like, it's just it's just an app, right? It's an app, and then you got the owner, and then you got the drivers. And Man, it's, it's like it's no, so bro. much that goes into that app. Yeah. Like it's it's a lot. It's a whole operation. The first time I went out to SF, like it it was crazy to see all the moving pieces and parts. Like it, it was literally like a, like you see on TV. Like mm -hmm. just everybody walking all fast, glass rooms, all that kind of stuff, yeah. and writing on chalkboards and getting stuff done. So it was, it was pretty Man, dope, yeah. I bet the offices, cause you, you you went in office, right? Yeah, so I actually, I was living in Charlotte when I got the job, I had to move to Nashville. So that's okay. when they had office. So this was pre-pandemic. Yeah. So, you know, remote work wasn't, wasn't necessarily really. a thing like that. Um, but I did get to visit the SF office quite a bit. Okay. Um, and it, it was it's dope out there. Yeah. 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 You. Yeah. You've been. In, yeah. You've been in the industry for a lot longer than I have. Because even I had to think about SF. It's all oh, yeah, San Francisco, and it's like yeah. Because it, it's funny. Cause I live in Miami now, and I hear people say SF all the time. Whenever mm -hmm. I'm at, like in like certain uh, tech hubs or tech parties, and they're like, oh yeah, SF, SF, and I'm like, okay, cool. So another acronym, <laughs> another acronym to stay on top of. But you mentioned how even though you were already a recruiter, you kind of looked through like a window pane, and you were like, oh, like. I'm a recruiter, y'all are a recruiter, but it's a different experience y'all are having over there. Much different experience. And once I, well, I did a little bit of research beforehand just to kind of understand. I knew recruiting in tech space paid more as yeah. well. I mean, like most jobs in tech space. So mm -hmm. I was really going for that as well. Like, okay, oh, if I'm going to recruit that. anyway, then I might as well make more money doing it. Exactly. Um, but once I really got into Lyft and started to really understand, one of the biggest differences from more traditional companies in the tech space is how much they value recruiting because they knew their companies can grow faster, make more money, you know, product updates. Like they they move at such a quicker pace yeah. that they wanted to put more sort of resources into like getting people in the door yeah. much better. And it was so competitive with all the, you know, engineers and product managers and things like that. So they needed people to really be selling the company. Yeah. If that makes sense. And so because engineers literally will tell you like, hey, I'm interviewing with this company, this company, this company. Yeah, oh, they would not and you care. just got to wait. Yeah, you yeah. got to wait and see who they decide to go with. And so they wanted to put that resource into the recruiting team in order to, you know, coax them into, oh, you should come here because of this. Mm -hmm. um, so it, it was just a whole different experience. Like once you get into the, the tech space. Yeah, that's really interesting. Uh, it's I like that you what you mentioned earlier, where it's like, yo, 
you can do it's the same job but it's in the tech industry you're usually going to make more and i'm always telling people where it's like people think okay tech and they think software engineer or they think something cloud or they really are thinking something technical but it's like many of the jobs that people are doing specifically if it's like a corporate job you can do the same type of job in tech which is still corporate mm -hmm. but it's a different industry so usually you're going to get paid significantly more and so i think a lot of people don't even think about that when it comes to recruiters in the space Recruiting in the space is, is one part. I think that's, um, of course, I'm biased towards that. Yeah. But also, I tell a lot of people, I don't care if you work in a call center. Like, all these apps, all the, the SaaS, all the software as a service products, all they have, they also need customer support. They yes. need customer experience. And so, you can still make that transition into tech and get paid more. Yeah. Now, it's going to be a little bit different. Like, usually what I saw, like, if you work in customer experience for a tech, like, they they need more like process driven people like mm -hmm. versus just very tactical. Let me, you know, figure out what your problem is and try to resolve this call quickly. Like it's more so how do we continually improve the customer experience? So it's it's a different mindset about it, but it starts with the basic experience of like, how do we provide a good support yeah. to, to our customers? Yeah. Okay. Now for a person, so and this is perfect, like kind of segue over so for a person that is like, okay, well, shoot, I'm gonna go ahead and get in the industry, whether they do a boot camp, they go to school, or they have like those specific transferable skills where they say, hey, I'm, I'm gonna do exactly what I've been doing. Let's say they're doing customer service somewhere, but they're like, okay, cool. They, they look into customer success in the tech industry, and they're like, okay, cool, I wanna go ahead and branch over to that. What, can you give some insight as to what happens behind the scenes of the whole hiring, the interviewing and hiring process? Like from mm -hmm. the, the angle of what, recruiters see and just your knowledge of what that looks like that we don't know about that's a lot yeah it's a lot and that's why i tell people um it's we'll get into it but it's really so many variables involved in hiring someone um because mm -hmm. we sometimes will post a role not even necessarily ready to hire for it it may be something wow. where we're trying to test the market um, or if it's something we know we may need down the road. Like, yeah. let's, let's go ahead and get this going because based on the data we've seen, it takes, you know, X amount of weeks or months to fill this role. Yeah. So let's just go ahead and get the pipeline started so that we can be ready to go. So can we, I know you can't give an exact number, but you say X amount of weeks or X amount of months. Like, what's, like, somewhat of a range in terms of, like, how long that could kind of take? From time to hire. So time to hire is, like, from... A person uh, a person applies mm -hmm. to they sign the offer letter. Yeah. On average, depending on like if it's like a mid to senior role, you're gonna look at like twelve weeks. Yeah. Okay. Um cool. that's that's standard, you know, nothing's on fire type of recruiting operations. Yeah. Now if we something happened, we need to pivot quickly, like we really need to get someone in, someone resigned, we didn't think it was gonna resign. Mm -hmm recruiters have the capability okay like all my focus is on this like we're going to get this knocked out yeah. you know in half the time but if we're just letting the process flow like it can definitely take 12 weeks for like a mid to senior position when when a fire happens or something happens unexpected someone you know resigns do recruiters have the power to shorten the interview process so instead of like let's say there's five rounds of interviews that are expected mm -hmm. for a role do senior recruiters have the the freedom and i know you can't speak for every company but just kind of somewhat generally speaking do they have the power to say hey you know what because we're in a on a time crunch we're gonna go ahead and cut this down to maybe four rounds of interviews or maybe even three rounds of interviews yeah yeah so 
most companies and, and recruiters themselves have the power to be a little bit more agile with the process. Okay. Depending on what we're looking for, you know, what skill set are we assessing, what you know level of leadership, if if that's the case, they're going to fall within the organization. But that's usually determined in the very beginning of the process. So mm-hmm. a recruiter gets with the hiring manager, sometimes with HR, just depending on how the company is set up, and they do a kickoff meeting, which is essentially you gather all the information, like what do we need, what's the skill set, is there a location they need to be in, um, educational requirements. Yeah. And during this process, you're also drafting the job description, like what are, what are we gonna go to the market with to try to attract? Um, but during that conversation, usually led by the recruiter, they try to make a recommendation to the hiring leader what makes sense for this process. Like, do we need you know them to speak with 10 people? Like sometimes it's usually in, in cases like that, the hiring leader um, and just a, a quick nugget, oftentimes hiring leaders want these very uh, elaborate hiring processes yeah. just so that if it goes south, there's blame to go around, just to be honest. Like it's, it's, oh, it's like I wasn't yeah. I wasn't the only, the only person one that, that said, hired them yeah, like it. like they spoke with all these different people, <laughs> and we all made a decision to hire this person. So I've seen that a lot, and um, that's something that the recruiter <laughs> oh, has to try to manage. Is like this isn't the way we should go about doing it. Like we should do the assessment and just be confident in our decision. And if this person needs coaching, then we do that and we follow the steps after the fact. But yeah. Let's not go ahead and think that, you know, let's let's not try to find a scapegoat before we even make the hire. That's hilarious. So that that happens a lot. But to answer your question, like, yes, like there is flexibility around structuring the actual interview process, like Mm -hmm. what all is involved, because sometimes we'll look back at, you know, data from previous interview processes and be like, okay, was that case study really necessary? Was that Mm -hmm. assessment really necessary? Like it it prolonged the process. We feel like we may have lost some good candidates because they chose not to do it. Because if if someone is confident in their capability and they're going through a lot of different interview processes, and then you pop in with like, "Hey, we want you to do this take home assignment," I've seen candidates be like, "No, I'm not doing that. Like, I'm good. Like, I have yeah. a couple other things going on." And so now we've missed out on this great candidate yeah. because they chose not yeah. to, you know, follow our process. So I try to make sure you know hiring managers understand like we only have so much influence like we're, we're dealing with people like they can choose to do what they want to yeah. do um yeah. we're not selling like a, a product or a software where yes yeah. you know like we we can manipulate it like we want to like they yeah. get to make a, a I, choice i wonder in that scenario so let's say okay we, we use a scenario like that where a company says okay we're gonna have this person do an assessment or take mm-hmm. basically some homework for us so that way we can see what they know or see if they're a good fit or whatever that might be and that person says, hey, no, all due respect, no, nah, I'm good. Would, has there ever been a scenario where the the company or the, the recruitment team would say, hey, you know what, never mind, forget the assessment. <laughs> we changed our minds, we're good, we'll continue with the rounds of interviews. Or is it one of those things where it's like, dang, now we kind of have to stand on, like, you know, kind of like stand on what it is and be like, well, we told you you have to do it, it's not you're not gonna do it, we can't even continue with the process. I've actually seen it go both ways yeah. um, in the sense of either they decline to do the assessment and we just have to accept that decision and yeah. and we lost that person. In the event of like, no, we don't want to lose this person, it's on the recruiter and honestly to probably involve HR. Like, okay, now we have to go back. If we're going to get rid of the assessment, 
we can't use it for anyone else. Either. Yeah, we like, can't just right not like that's let that, this you're getting into like it. legal issues now. Yeah. Like we we can't send half the candidates through this process and then be like oh, but we're going to make an exception for this one. Exactly. Like if that you know gets out, like that's going to look That'll very look bad on the organization. Yeah. yeah. So that like I say, it's up to the recruiter and HR to make sure like you have a fair interview process so yeah. if we're going to do one thing for one candidate then all candidates have to go through that and if we decide to toss the assessment if we rejected anyone due to that assessment honestly you would need to bring that person um, back in into the process yeah okay so you say back in into the process you mean like they would have to s- s- not start back from the beginning right not back from the beginning but let's just say if we had already um made a determination maybe we hadn't rejected that person yet but we graded their assessment and we felt like it didn't pass the bar and we were considering like rejecting them from the process during this time there's someone who's saying like they don't want to take the assessment at that point we may decide to just scratch the whole assessment part of the process and whoever had already done the assessment moved them forward so now like everyone's at the same spot in the interview process Mm -hmm. and we'll go from there and and sort of like grade accordingly from there based on the interviews and feedback and scorecards that get submitted. Whether you're dealing with tough decisions centered around career, relationships, or anything else, therapy is the piece that keeps us connected and grounded about the things that really matter in life. So that way we can move forward with excitement and anticipation. And for everyone who's thinking of starting therapy, I personally suggest that you use BetterHelp to give you that assistance. And what I love about BetterHelp is that it's entirely online and it's designed specifically to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. So make sure you visit betterhelp.com backslash TNB to make sure you get 10% off your first month and let us know how your journey in therapy is going. All right, so a person, they go, they do the assessment, don't do the assessment, they end up you know, landing a job, getting an offer letter, starting at the company. One of the things that I've seen with a lot of people that start at a company is that they have a goal to get a job, but they don't really have a mapped out career plan in this industry. So many times they're just like, yo, like I'm just here. I'm happy to be getting more money. Cool. I'm just working my job. That's it. And they don't really have a strategy when it comes to their growth in the industry. What's a good way for a person that either doesn't have a strategy at all or they're considering making one, but they don't really know what that would look like? What's some advice you would give to help people when it comes to building out a career strategy? That is the, the perfect question. And strategy is the key word. Um, when I got the lift, I actually told my manager, you know, my goal is to be a recruiting manager. And so everything I did from day one was moving towards that goal. Mm-hmm. Um, so one good thing about the tech industry that I've seen usually like they do, whether they, you know, practice it 100% of the time. They typically care about their team members. And so what they like to implement is uh, an IDP, which is an individual development plan, or they can at least share with you what a career pathway looks like. So based on your position in the organization today, what is the next step? Um, And in the tech industry, other than just like other titles, you can also get other levels. And so there are multiple ways to get promoted within the tech industry because there have been times where my title changed, but my pay didn't. And then there have been times where my pay changed, but my title didn't. Yeah. So you, you kind of have to figure out what are you going for? And there's value in both. So in that example where you say your title changed, but your pay didn't, were you at the same company? Like you don't have to say what the company is, but were you at the same company and they, they changed your title, but didn't yeah. give you a pay raise? Yeah, I've, I've taken on um, 
you know, a larger scope of work. I've taken on, you know, new assignments or just really my position was redefined and I had a new title. I'm the type of person, like I said, I find value in everything. So I'm I'm gonna play it cool. I'm like, okay. But I know I can package this and be a value externally in the market anyway. Yeah. So you can give me this and for free, like I can do this free work if that's how you want to put it. But I know my personal value has increased and I'm gonna circle back with you at some point. Um, probably, you know, whether I'm in a role 90 days, six months, I'm like, okay, I've been doing this. I didn't get a pay bump. I've been killing it. It's, you know, can we discuss, you know, right-sizing me at this point? So I, I think for people, um, back to your initial question, being very intentional about what you want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're already in the company, my advice is to look around and start seeing how your role impacts the company itself, but then also what other teams are you having to collaborate with? Because usually that's where you can make those pivots because you may be supporting the product team, but you're not necessarily in product. Yeah. You may be in product operations or product analytics or something like that, but mm-hmm. if you start to learn how product is using your work to better the product itself, that's when you can start to make pivots and, and actually get more money because now they're like, okay, like you really get this, you understand like the work you're doing, how yeah. it impacts the company. Then I've seen people get promoted like onto the actual team and like get embedded into the team versus being like a support service. Yeah, okay. All right, that's good. That makes a lot of sense. So one of the things we've been seeing a lot are people addressing how some of them are having a very tough time being able to land a role or land just even the type of role that they want. Of course, one of the value of us having you here, uh, especially with your extensive knowledge and experience, is that you might have some insight for us. So I would love to know what advice you would give for someone who's saying that they're having a tough time landing a role. Network. Um, <laughs> that that has been my my kick lately, especially on LinkedIn. Like I've been been preaching that every week. Like especially in today's market mm-hmm. and. People know it, they see it. I don't know if everyone is saying it publicly enough, but with all the tech layoffs, it has definitely, I don't wanna say saturated the market, but there's a lot of talent out there. Yeah. Um, And so it's made it a lot more competitive. And then if you introduce all these AI tools that has now, I tell people all the time, like, okay, because some people reach out to me to like write their resumes and stuff like that. I'm mm-hmm. like, cool, but this is just like a tool. Like this, I don't think this is going to get you what you want today. Whereas, yeah. because as you mentioned, you know, 300 to 600 applications before people get a job. So you have to zoom out and look at, okay, like how many people are actually applying for these roles? Like very recently, I've seen up to 2,000 applications in less than a week for a role. Man. So look at all that competition. And, yeah. and that's what I'm telling. And that's like, for one role or is that for like? That's for one role. That's for Ooh. one position. And there's only one position. So it's, you know, 1,999 people <laughs> going to get a rejection letter from that position. And that's why I tell, stop counting rejections. Like that's that's not even important yeah, at yeah, this yeah. point. Yeah, don't. Like, like what's the point of that? Like I don't, I don't get why people like, oh, I've received all these rejection emails. Like just forget them. Like yeah. just delete them and keep going. Like there's no point in focusing on that. But I have seen a lot of success with some of the folks I've spoken with lately who have recently landed roles. They reached out to their either their network or they made new connections. Um, and that's how they were able to essentially you're skipping the line mm-hmm. uh, when you know someone at that organization. Yeah. Um, and why wouldn't you want to do that? I think that is the best way, because 
ChatGPT can spit you out a, a resume. So now me and my recruiter mind is like, so, you know, what what does a resume really mean to me now when you can just type it in and, and it spit out this, you know, scholarly yeah. resume. Like exactly. It's like and then I talked to you and I'm like, you don't sound like this. Like <laughs> <laughs> And so, um, but I, I get it. I mean, use the tools that are there for you. Like I'm not saying don't do it, but my advice to people is you have to use everything now. Like it's not just yeah. the resume. Like you also need to network. Like you also need to find different job boards. You also need to join different groups and communities. Mm-hmm. Like you, you have to put yourself out there a whole lot more yeah. and you need to upskill. Um, yeah. LinkedIn has tons of learning courses that you can take. I know you, um, I always promote all these different courses. Like mm-hmm. while you're looking for a job, like learn a new skill. Yeah. Like, really. like because the more time that goes by, now you're out of work, you know, three months, four months, five months. Technology is moving fast. Yeah. So now companies are looking for something different. Yeah. And I know if I want to talk to you, I, I want to know, like, what have you been doing other than just looking for a job? Yeah. Like, you know, show people that, you know, I haven't just been sitting around just applying. Like, yeah. I've actually been trying to better myself. And that can go a long way in the interview process. It's almost like, and I just thought of this while you were talking, it's almost like someone saving money uh, during inflation like during hyperinflation, where it's like, okay, they're like, oh, well, look, I I have this $10. And it's like, yeah, I have this $10. I'm just, I I plan on using it at some point. It's okay. But it's losing value. It's cool. But it's like, you know, (laughs) as time is going by, it's like, it's like, oh, so you're not adding money. You're not investing money. It's like, well, you're just holding on to the same $10. You think that's fine. It's like next year, the $10, that's going to be worth $9. And so I was kind of thinking through that as you were talking about people that are applying and they're not making their skill sets more robust adding things to themselves and would you say okay as a as a recruiter you're interviewing someone if they say to you okay let's say they haven't been working for nine months Mm -hmm. if they say okay we haven't been working for nine months but okay i did a boot camp and also i've gotten this certification i'm in the midst of working on this certification as well like are does that type of conversation does that sound attractive or is that kind of like whatever definitely sounds better yeah um Definitely sounds better than I've been doing nothing. Yeah, just applying um, it. Yeah, right. So I think the way to, to tie that into the actual interview process, what have you been working on that's relevant to this role? Like, is yeah. that certification relevant to what we're talking about? Yeah. So if you got a certification that's completely, you know, left field from what you're applying to, I may not take that into as high of a consideration. Personally, I'm happy for you. Like, I'm glad. Yeah. But Recruiters are typically working on behalf of a company or a hiring manager, whether it's in-house or um, consulting. So I need to deliver someone that is, you know, going to come in and kill it. Um, mm-hmm. Not only that, like I need to be able to sell you to the the hiring leader in a way that's relevant to them. They're not going to necessarily take into a, account the way I made that. Like, no, nah, but I talked to them like they they're nice, like they're working on things. You know, they want to like, no, I need someone who can come in and do this job. Yes, exactly. Um, so you yeah. you kind of have to tie all that together and get creative if you feel like it's not a, a direct you know line to line match. And maybe talk to someone else and be like, hey, I'm working on this. I'm actually interviewing for this job. Like, is there a way I can piece this together? Mm-hmm. Usually someone out there can help you get a little bit more creative about it. Because sometimes things do tie together. You just don't quite understand it. Because let's say yeah. there's some sort of, you know, project coordination or you, you use a little bit of data in, in this certification or, mm-hmm. or something along those lines that you can actually 
um, weave that into some of your past experience to make it seem like you're a lot more qualified for this role that you're applying yeah. to. I've all, I, I've recently been explaining that to people where it's like it's not really. For example, there was I was a streamer recently, and someone said, "Hey, you know, I'm my background is a teacher." They're like, "You know, if, if I do a a sales engineering boot camp, you know, would I be able to land a role as a sales engineer?" And I'm like, "I mean, yeah, like yeah." And the, the boot camp gives you the knowledge, the foundation of what you need. But then I right, but what about my background? And I'm like, well, it's what you can communicate. Like, can you right. communicate how, like, what you did as a teacher? We all know what a teacher is, but just using an arbitrary example, how can you communicate or what can you communicate that you did as a teacher that correlates to doing this specific role? And I love that you mentioned that because that's incredibly valuable that a lot of people don't, like, fully don't uh, recognize and, and understand. What I'm curious about is I love that you mentioned how people get like certifications and things that aren't really applicable to the role at all. Is that something that you've seen a lot where people think that they're just going to get this $50 course from Coursera or do this $50 Mm -hmm. course from Coursera, get this Google certification over here, get a Security Plus certification, and they just are just kind of like gathering these certifications like Thanos with the stones. (laughs) And they think like, okay, cool, I'm going to snap my finger and I'll be able to get this job. Is Is that something that you've seen? Or is that like more of a rare thing? It's not rare. I've seen it, especially if it's like a free certification um, and people are just doing them, you know, just collecting them. Like I've I've seen LinkedIn uh, profiles where, you know, they had like 15 on there. Like they've done all these courses and, you know, I'm a continuous learner, so I'm not mad at it. Like, of course, like you you should take courses and, and learn. But how are you then? packaging that to sell yourself like that's what it all comes down to like you have to be very intentional and Mm -hmm. so of those 15 courses which three are relevant to the roles that you're applying to highlight those build upon those versus saying like oh i took this you know project management management certification and the role you're applying to really has nothing to do with that at all um so so i would what would you say okay so if someone I would want to know, like, I guess, kind of like direction wise. So if someone, let's use project management, for example, okay. like you just used. So someone's like, okay, I want to be a project manager. Would you give them, would some of your advice be, hey, look specifically at courses, whether whether online certification or look specifically at things that are beneficial for project management? Or would you say focus more on the, the, the specific company that you're applying to and the things that they say that matter and get courses in that. Like, what, I guess, where does kind of like that line that line go? I think um, you'll hear me like, I'll always anchor on being intentional, yeah. right? So what are you trying to do in the field of project management? Because that's yeah. very broad. Like, you can yeah. be a IT project manager. You can be a product project manager. You can be a project manager within the HR space. Yeah. So there are all these different types of project management. And so once you decide where you want to take your you know PM career, I would then say you want to try to stack knowledge and or courses that's related to that. So yeah. let's just use HR, for instance. And so you may want to start to, you know, take recruiting courses, take employee relations courses, because now like you're gathering all this knowledge around like how a people operations org 
goes about doing their business and you can get dropped in the middle and, and be able to speak to all these different teams. Like, okay, like I can work with the recruiting team. Like I, you know, I have a baseline knowledge of that. I can work with ER, I can work with benefits because now like you've gathered that information versus using that same example, you've gathered all this HR information. Now you're trying to be an IT project manager. Like mm -hmm. that, that isn't going to resonate the same. And so like you want to get as valuable as possible in the field that you're trying to get into mm -hmm. is what i would say looking for a job in tech can be tricky but what if there's a way to automate the entire process that's where octoply.ai comes in see this software does all the work it takes for you to get hired from researching companies to scheduling interviews and all you have to do is just show up octoply.ai is the first application of its kind that will find jobs that your top applicant for apply to roles reformat your resume and manages interviews all while you sleep. So if you're tired of the tedious job search, try Octoply.ai today and let technology work for you. Okay, cool. And this actually, this is a question that didn't, wasn't even on the list, but this kind of came up. I've seen with some companies when they do hiring freezes or they're doing layoffs, that at some point, some of the first people to end up going are some of the recruiters. And some friends that I know that are uh, that are in tech where they're like, you know, hey, Cyrus, either got let go as a recruiter or I'm a little uncomfortable because my company's doing some layoffs. Cyrus, like, do you know some other people, whatever? And I'm like, I mean, yeah, sure. I like connecting with other recruiters I know at uh, similar companies. What's some advice? And this will really be advice for other recruiters because, I mean, again, you've, you gang gang. You've been, been doing this for a minute. <laughs> what is advice that you would give to them to, to help themselves, I guess, stand out as a recruiter to where they raise their value. Cause I know the general person thinks about a recruiter and it's always just like, it's a job. You're just, once you know the job, you know the job, which of course that's not the case. Right. But what are some things that recruiters can do to make themselves um, a more viable, just really just, just in higher demand? Yeah, that's a good question. I've actually been talking to a lot of talent acquisition professionals cause that's, primarily my network since I've yeah. you know, been doing this for a while. Um, first thing I would say is I've really been trying to, I don't want to say warn, but I've been telling a lot of talent acquisition professionals for a while when a lot of these tech layoffs started happening. I'm like, I don't think you know these positions are going to come back at the volume that they once mm, were. Like, yeah. Companies just aren't going to they're going to they're gonna run a lot leaner yeah. um, and probably just expect recruiters to do more, you know, with the team they have. Mm -hmm. And so I've been trying to tell them, one, up level uh, or, or upskill. Mm -hmm. um, the biggest thing I would say right now is probably data analytics. Um, a lot of recruiters, myself included, really got into this this line of work. Also understanding that it's like it's more of a, a people type of role. Like I'm, mm -hmm. I can talk to folks like I can, you know. Um, you know, get along and collaborate internally. Like it, it's a lot of just relationship building. Mm -hmm. um, but over the last couple of years, like there's definitely a lot more data now involved and hiring leaders speak data typically. Like that's what they want to see. They don't necessarily yeah. want to hear from a recruiter, you know, how nice someone is or, <laughs> you know, like they, they want to know, <laughs> you know, how, how is this person going to impact me based on the data? Like yeah. what, what are you seeing there? And so Dang, how, you're able to look at, you're able to look at data as a as a recruiter and be able to potentially determine the impact that person will have on that team. Where you're able to look at the data, one to understand 
like like I mentioned earlier, like time to to hire, like time to fill. Like so, you can start there and be like, okay, based on what we've seen in the past, this is how long it's going to take. And then you can also use the data to look at what type of um, experience they came from, what channel they came through. Was it referral? Was it LinkedIn? Was it a different job board? So where are we seeing the most qualified uh, candidates from? What type of um, companies did they come from? Like, were they, you know, early age startups? Were they um, more traditional companies? And so piecing all that together, you can kind of paint a picture for them, like based on the data that we've seen, this would be an ideal candidate uh, for this type of role. Or either also looking into the data that um, the HR team keeps around, like who's performing at a high level, or, you know, are they getting meets expectations, exceed expectations, and then looking at that candidate's background and trying to see like, okay, like this person is doing well, they came from this type of background, they had this many years of experience, they had an MBA, whatever, let's try to find another one of those. Like that's that's a conversation that can take place as well. Um, so that's why I say like, it's a lot that can go into it. Mm-hmm. Um, and the recruiter that can articulate their capability to do that in a very, concise and very streamlined way i feel Mm -hmm. like are the ones that are going to stand out but the recruiters i see that also are navigating you know the 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 current environment a little bit better again are those that are are networking and have always stayed in touch with different hiring leaders um who have now gone on to maybe be founders or or high level leadership at other companies and like okay that recruiter supported me you know three four years ago i know they're strong like i want to you know bring them on my team to support Mm -hmm. me now um, but yeah, like it's, it's, it's definitely a, a shift taking place. Mm-hmm. Um, and just for, for any recruiter that may be watching this, I've always suggested, I think customer success management would be like a, a great pivot, mm-hmm. especially with all these different, um, AI tools coming out. Yes. Um, they can speak to, honestly, they can speak to that product being able to replace themselves. If that makes sense. Like, like Ooh. you can use this product because it does this, this, and this, this is what I used to do. Yeah. Um, and I'm telling you from a recruiter yeah. standpoint, I hate to say it, like it's almost like you have to, you know, step on the necks of other recruiters and, and replace them with the technology, but yeah. you're also putting I mean, yourself- it's a competitive field. That's right, what it is. Right. You're, you're, work is com- it's competition. If you want a job, if you want a role, like yeah. you, you kind of have to reinvent yourself a little bit yeah. and, and be able to say like, okay, I'm no longer recruiting directly, but now I'm selling recruiting software. Yes, that's real, that's good. So um, you said something earlier, and I want to kind of go back to that where you had mentioned the the value of networking. And I talk to people about that a lot. I think I'll probably say whenever people come to me and they say, oh, Cyrus, I, I did a boot camp or I've applied to this many jobs. I've done this. Oh, I don't have a job yet. And usually the, the two pieces that I see people are lacking on are they're not optimizing LinkedIn properly mm-hmm. and or. I'm like, what What all networking events have you gone to? Who all you talk to? And nine times out of 10, it's like, oh, I just went to this one thing or it's nothing at all. I actually was, I was talking to a young woman recently who she like did a cybersecurity course. It was mm-hmm. very robust. She got all the all the right certifications. She like, I mean, top to bottom, like she, she did a, a, a competition and uh, it was a competition with I think 300 people and she came in a top 10 group. And I'm like, yo, you, all this, I was like, you got all this on your resume? She's like, yeah. And I'm like, yo, d- this stuff, I'll say like, you being you being a woman, she's she's blazing. I'm like, yo, you a woman of color. It's like, yo, like, I'm like, how, how do you not yeah. have anything yet? That's high value. I yeah. went looked at her LinkedIn. 
dry. Dry. So yeah. Hard <laughs> I asked her, I was like, what all? And this was like, she's, all this stuff has happened in the last two years. Like, she's been adding the proper certifications, experiences, everything. And I was like, well, I was like, what all networking events have you gone to? She was like, I've never went to a, a tech networking event. Mm. I was like, if you went, and, I mean, and I'm going to be real, like, I'm a very like just blunt person. She's a very attractive girl too. I was like, yo, you go to a tech networking event. <laughs> I was like, first off, the men and the women, just because just like you dress nice, you look great. It's like people are gonna be like, dang girl, who are you? It's like just off top, people are gonna want to talk to you. And I was like, and then when they start talking to you and they realize like what you have and your knowledge and experience, it's like if they're hiring, they're like, yes, let's let's set you up, let's get your resume, let's put you in on an interview. And so, what are but what are some networking tips that you can give people when it comes to network, whether it's at tech networking events or other spaces? Like, what are some tips or advice you can give people like that can help them with their strategy? Because, I mean, some people are like, OK, I go to a tech networking event. I just walk around I'm here. But it's like, but what is like a strategy or game plan you could give people? Yeah. Um, uh, first, I want to say that is funny you mentioned that. I actually made a post the other day on LinkedIn. Uh, I said being smart plus attractive is a cheat code. I was like, a lot of people don't don't use that. I'm like, you you kind of because because people are naturally going to look at you, and then yeah. if you got something good to say, you got them drawn in. Oh, that's it. Um, yeah. And now they want to work with you, like, and you've made that yes. connection. Um, so definitely, people should use that to their advantage. But yeah. honestly, the way I go about networking and and how I try to advise people. It's, it's one of those things you almost have to go down a rabbit hole like it never stops like you can just continually build upon what you're already doing but yeah. some quick hacks I would say that I tell people one make sure you have a, uh, a Calendly link uh, to your calendar and mm, so okay. when you reach out to people on LinkedIn and even if you're not connected to them already LinkedIn allows you to add a note when you send a connection request yeah. drop your link in there and say hey you know, I saw your profile, I'm interested in this line of work, or we have a mutual connection, whatever that, you know, intro tagline is, I would love to connect with you and chat if you're open to it. That's what I usually say. Yeah. And then I drop my Canly link in there. And what that does, you wanna, I always go through life, if there's something I need and I want, like you wanna try to make it easy for the person that, that you're trying to partner yeah. with. Like why would I, you know, cause additional stress on someone else? And what I see from a lot of people, especially as a recruiter, um, people reach out to me about a job I may have posted or something and want me to do the work. Like they want me to go yeah. look up their resume. A lot of people like, like, <laughs> say that. They're like, they're, they're like, oh yeah, go find a resume. And then, you know, I have a, a lot of recruiter friends of mine say like people try to make them work for them. And it's like, well, I don't work for you. I work for my company. It's right. like, yeah, I, I want to help you. But why are you making me do extra work that I'm not getting, basically getting paid for? Right. And is and I and I get it. Like I, I commend the effort, but yeah. take it a step further um, mm -hmm. and make it easy for me. Um, if you're going to do that, send me your resume right now. Like now, why would yeah. I have to go pull it from the system? Like exactly. just attach it like just or just give me, yeah. you know, three bullets. Like what, what you know, what are yeah. what are your your high value skill sets or yeah. how are you a good match for the role that you said you've already applied to? Like, just mm -hmm. go ahead and make it easy for me. Um, Something I've seen or I've told people to do, if you're going to go to a network event, put the uh, the QR code for your LinkedIn profile, like on your lock screen and just, you know, just go to people like, hey, connect with me on LinkedIn. Yeah. Make it easy for people. Like you you want to make it as easy as possible to connect with people. Yeah. Um, even on LinkedIn itself, 
I don't know a lot of people notice like there's a little camera in the corner of the message like you can do a video call like instantly on on LinkedIn wow. and, and just say like you know, I have seen that but I didn't yeah. even think about actually utilizing it that way it's already built in and if you have Calendly it actually integrates into LinkedIn as well so you can yeah. just add your your link there and man they yeah. give you all these tools to just make it really really simple it's there it's there and that's why honestly personally like it's it's a little frustrating sometimes when I talk to people and they're not seeing, you know, the progress that they want or they feel like they've been at this for a long time. And I started talking to them and I started asking them about what have they been doing. And I immediately know, like, OK, like it's not enough. Like you yeah. just haven't been doing enough. Yeah. And even with the networking and the reach outs, you know, if you told me like, oh, no, I connected with 10 people this week, you should be connecting with like 10 people an hour. Like <laughs> like we're talking like there are literally hundreds of millions of people on linkedin and you yeah. said you connected with 10 people this no, week we, like yeah you're, you're really not you have to, it's a numbers game like yeah. you have to you know hedge the bet in your favor essentially yeah, and so just just go hard with it like if you're already getting rejected from jobs like what's a non-response on a linkedin reach out like what it really doesn't even matter so yeah. just go ahead and put in the effort and the work because really all you need is is one yes one win like that's yeah. all you're going for so just go ahead and, and put as much effort in as I don't even want to say as you feel like you need to because honestly you should just keep doing it just yeah. keep going until until you get the win I mean because what else is out there for you like if you're not going to put the effort in somebody else is and they're going to get the opportunity right so there's something I want to I want to ask and I, I low-key don't know if this is a secret because I, <laughs> I have so many like friends that are recruiters and none of them have told me this i actually found this out because every week i bring on someone on my uh my instagram live or youtube live or sometimes linkedin live and it's usually someone that did a boot camp and now they're in tech and they're kind of giving their insights talking about their experience and recently i've been having them focus a lot less on talking about the boot camp and much more on okay what did you how did you get the job versus the other people that did the program like what specifically what's some tips and advice that you can get not that they're interview experts because again just because they got one job in tech doesn't make them an expert nevertheless right. like yo like what did you do that maybe someone else didn't do there was two people that came on to my uh stream within a month time frame they said something and i was like is this like a secret so i'm gonna ask you <laughs> i'm gonna put you on the spot and ask you so two of them said that they ended up working, they're working at the same companies that sent them rejection letters. And they said what happened was that when the company sent them rejection letters or rejection emails, that they responded back to the email with like some bullet points as to why they felt that they were a good fit. Very respectful. And one of them mentioned this, and this is this is the kind of the perspective that they that they gave mm -hmm. was that of course it's usually not a recruiter that's rejecting the person is usually the software the company's software that's rejecting the person and saying no but that you could respond back to the email and that usually the response goes to an actual person at the company like maybe a recruiter or someone at the company is that like a general thing or is that like a, a company by company type of thing that's interesting so so you're speaking about a rejection email from the applicant tracking system. Yeah. So that's typically what happens as recruiters are going through resumes. They can click a button, reject, and it automates an email that says, yeah. you know, thanks, but no thanks. Typically, what I've seen in my experience, that goes to a no reply at whatever. Yeah. Email. OK. So what may have happened in those cases was 
sometimes you are able to reject a person, but it will it will come through saying like it came from the system. Mm-hmm. But I just changed the the sent field, like sent from, like just like you would do in your personal email. Like if mm-hmm. you have like multiple domains, you can choose like who it's coming from. Mm-hmm. So I'm still attached to it, but I chose to send it as like from the team yeah. or something like that. So if I had to just assess those situations, it sounds like they just got lucky. Yeah. Um, okay. And yeah. it actually came from a real person and not just the system. Because mm-hmm. um, if they, especially if it was just like a bulk reject, like sometimes like we can hit a button and reject like 100 people at once. Yeah. I I know it wouldn't be in a recruiter's best interest to allow all those people. Yeah, because then everybody could just right, continue they, to keep right, going they back start and coming back, And that would defeat the purpose of, <laughs> like, you know, so, so I think they got lucky. But to that point, I have um, been able to, and and people that I've sort of helped coach in their career, um, they got a rejection email from a certain company. I was like, okay, like who was the company? I've seen that I had connections at that company and reach out to them, usually in recruiting. Like, hey, I know this person. I feel like their resume is solid. They seem like a good fit. Can you point me in the direction of the recruiter that owns it? Um, And I've actually been successful in, in sort of getting that person pulled out of the rejection pile um, and, and they went back and took another look at it yeah. and, and they were able to uh, go through the interview process. That's so right. that goes back to that network and that connection. Right. Piece. So, so it, there are ways around it and recruiters and companies do have a lot of flexibility around like what they can do with, with candidates at any point in time. So what do you see as a future of recruiting? Like whether we're talking whether we're talking with AI or we're just talking just changes in the industry in general, like where do you see the future of it going with both recruiting and staffing? I do think that the recruiting profession itself is going to still be a need. Um, I, I think the role may change a little bit. I think the teams are going to be a lot leaner, yeah. but the people on those teams are going to probably be better compensated because they're going to be asked to do more. Yeah. And part of their role now is going to be a lot of system administration and configuration. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I do see that because even with the applicant tracking system, there are so many different like templates and alerts and rules. And I mean, there are so many bells and whistles within these systems now that mm-hmm. if set up in the right way, it can be a very streamlined process versus um, a lot of the the more manual uh, way of recruiting that I kind of came up in, where you literally had to do every step yourself. Yeah. Like a lot of the stuff is automated now, um, but I don't I don't think the field can necessarily go away itself because at some point a person is going to need to have a conversation with another person. Yeah. I, I think um, now I have seen. Uh, technology come in and streamline a lot of high volume hiring like more mm-hmm. of the like hourly um, hiring and and they're doing it a lot faster but there's also just such a high turnover rate that they just want to keep that pipeline just just it's we call it like churn and burn like you, you yeah. know you're going to lose a certain percentage of people so you just keep hiring um, technology has came into that space and really sped up that process in a way that I feel like it would be hard for a recruiter to keep up with mm, okay Okay, that's good, man. It's it's so much happening right now, just within technology and, and how it's affecting every industry. And I love how you mentioned earlier, like yo, like us, like people using it, like people, you know, 
adding to their skill sets. And so even even in the even in the uh, recruitment space. Hey y'all, we have some incredible incredible news that I'm super excited about to finally announce our private tech community. Yes, yes, you heard that right. A private tech community exclusively for you all who want more than just the podcast, you want more than just the FAQs, you want to talk with tech recruiters, you want to talk with, with hiring managers, you want to talk with coaches, you want to talk with people that can help with editing and rewriting your resume. Maybe you're somebody where you just want to be a part of a community where we're talking about updates of what's happening in the software industry. Y'all, this community that we've launched is also going to involve a Discord where we're going to be talking about updates in tech, we're going to be talking about companies that are hiring. We're going to be talking about upcoming tech events. So that way you don't have to miss any of the gems that I know, but not even just what I know, but the gems that friends of mine that are also in the tech industry know as well. So if you want to be a part of that community, go ahead and sign up so that way you can join us. We have a few different tiers. Ultimately, it's all tuned in for you. Oh, and last thing, also within this community, we're gonna be streaming all of our interviews with our podcast guests. So instead of you having to wait months to watch the videos later on, you will actually be able to watch the interviews in real time and ask your live questions to those guests. So make sure you join our tech community. So uh, before we wrap up, we do have a few questions that we want to take from the Patreon community. So for those of y'all um, that are listening and watching right now, after this has been recorded, uh, we do have a dedicated Patreon community. And one of the benefits of our Patreon community is that they are able to actually tune into the podcast live because uh, this isn't just one episode that we're filming today. We actually film about eight episodes in one day. So I interview different amazing guests, people that are different thought leaders that are in this space and the Patreon community gets to actually jump in and out of the stream or just stay on the stream the entire day, ask questions, interact, all of that. So we're gonna go ahead and uh, see what questions we have from the Patreon community. Uh, Eric, what what do we have? Okay, cool, yeah, so question um, is, do you have to be a successful, or do you have to be a successful influencer or build out a brand as a recruiter to be successful as a recruiter in tech? Definitely not. No, uh, this is this is kind of like a, a a new phenomenon, like tech yeah. influencing. Like this, like I said, I've been recruiting for a long time, and yeah. it was never anything sexy. Like it, <laughs> like it was just, it was just I worked in it. HR. Yeah, yeah. like it, it. It was only on, until recently that like okay, people kind of feeling this now. So. Yeah. So you can kind of can go to social media with it and, and, and start to share tips and, and hacks and all this kind of good stuff. But there are I would say the majority of recruiters I know don't like brand themselves in a way like they yeah. just, you know, keep their heads down and they just work and find people. Yeah. Now, they are still very good at their jobs. Like yeah. They still have a, a wealth of knowledge. So they will still be people you want to connect with, but they're just not, you know, in front of a camera talking about it as as much as some others are. Do you think. And this is kind of a spinoff of that, that question. Do you believe there is some benefit, like in terms, like specifically, not just not just benefit online, but benefit even for their for them in the industry? Like, do you believe that if they're a recruiter that's building up a brand of being a recruiter, that it can make them seem more attractive, whether to their company or to other companies that are looking for recruiters? Um, one hundred percent, yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I again try to advise people. I do think at some point your your LinkedIn profile and or like your brand is probably going to be more valuable than your resume. Yeah, I, I see the world moving in that way. Yeah, and it's it's just because now like we're able to 
again, it's called, you know, an influencer for a reason. It's, yeah. it's like, I, I like this person. Like, I see them, like, they're funny. They dress nice. And so, like, yeah. you get to see all these different components of them versus, you know, reading it off a of paper. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I, I do. And I tell people that no matter what industry you're in, like, you want to present yourself on LinkedIn like you're a thought leader yeah. in that industry. I don't care what it is. It could be customer service. It could be product engineering. Like, mm -hmm. you want to, you know, make posts, engage in other people's posts, make comments, be contradictory if you want to, you know, yeah. be the villain. Like, you know, yeah. jump in people's comments and be like, I don't agree with this and yeah. and start some conversation. And all that does is get more eyes on you and it shows like, okay, this person is actually, you know, thinking through their industry or their role or their position. Mm -hmm. Like they're not just doing the job. Like yeah. they, they kind of have more to add. Yeah, yeah, and I can see how, because I, I know for a fact what I when I, my first year as a sales engineer, what I was getting from the second and third company I was at was way above my skill set, and they knew that, but they saw a brand, and mm. there were plenty of times as a sales engineer where I would jump on a call to do a demo, and then the customer or prospect would be like, "Oh my God, we 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 looked you up on LinkedIn before." <laughs> it's like, "Oh, we're such fans of you." And then it's like, of course, they would end up like going into contract with the company. Mm -hmm. And it's like, so you realize like where the company would be like, yo, we we want you here because you're so attractive to whether in, in a, I guess in the case of a, of a recruiter, it's like, yo, you're attracting good talent to you. And now that talent wants to be at this this company, you know, or in a case of maybe some other type of role, it's like, OK, well, you're you, you make the company look good to the customer or people see you on LinkedIn and they see the company you work for. It's like that same like like positive feel they might associate that with our company. So I can see in a few different ways how uh, that would be valuable. Um, I know we got one more question. Uh, Eric, what's the other question? How can someone as a real introvert stand out to interview well uh, from those that might be extroverts? Is that okay with it? With it? Say it. I guess so. Or just yeah. Okay, cool. Basically, like, what's a way that someone who's an introvert can interview well basically interview and perform well or stand out well during an interview yeah that's a tough one i'm gonna be well my honest opinion is you probably need to practice a lot more mm -hmm. and you need to get your confidence up um, yeah. because the, the confidence piece is something that recruiters hiring managers anyone on the hiring team like that's really a candidate that gives off confidence that they know they know what they're talking about mm -hmm. can go further than what's actually being said, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, there have been times where I've been impressed by a candidate just because they weren't cocky with it, but they were, they just kind of came with that. Oh, I know what I'm talking about, and then they asked me some questions that went way over my head. Ooh. I'm like, mm. like okay, like yeah, <laughs> like you you know your stuff, and it yeah. it was one of those things where I didn't even get to ask a bunch of questions to really assess them. They had me so just their presence and how they came on and just was able to kind of blow me away with the way they presented themselves, and yeah. so. And I've also have spoken with candidates to that person's question who I felt like on paper, I I knew they could do the job, but yeah. they weren't selling themselves in a way to where I wouldn't have felt good to pass them on to the hiring manager. Yeah. Because I've seen hiring managers reject people because they're like, oh, no, they're they're too timid. Like they're too shy. Like yeah. they're they're going to get ran over by by the leaders here. You know, these yeah. are actual you know comments that leaders are saying, like if. I can't put you in a room with people to, you know, 
influence them on where we should spend our money honestly what it comes down to or you know should we allocate resources for the next six months doing this product update if you're not selling it now you know like you're everything that someone challenged you on you, you just bag out and and don't even make your point and so yeah being introverted could, could definitely continue to be you know like a handicap if, yeah. if you're trying to yes. really interview specifically because one of the things that, that we see is that there are people that are introverted but then they'll say well i'm, I'm introverted so i can't get x y and z and it's like i think that they're that they're trying to conflate being timid with being an introvert because mm-hmm. i'm sure you said that there are plenty of people that i know that are introverts they're not timid right and it's like when they speak up they speak up and they stand on something but they just don't care to be the most sociable person but that doesn't mean that they're timid that doesn't mean that they're not a good communicator because like you mentioned they work on those those interviewing skills or their communication skills they, they've maybe gotten interview coaching things like that yeah and so i, I love you kind of touching on that piece of it's like yo if you're that thing you still need to work. That's not an excuse for you to not work on those skill sets. I mean, there are people that are extroverts that are still very socially awkward and weird. You know, <laughs> right? that's very true. Or they're extroverts, but they're still timid or they're extroverts or they're overly excessive when it comes to like how aggressive they are. And so it's, I really want to like make sure that y'all hear what he was touching on where it's like, yo, even if you're an introvert, still work on those other skills. And you, you have to be balanced as well um, to sort of round out that point. So yeah, like I feel like I'm a natural introvert. But mm-hmm. if you're asking me about what I know, I could talk to you all day. Like, you yeah. know, like, but if if I was just to see you out at a bar or something, I mean I say a word to you, like you're a stranger to me. So um, but I've also seen, to your point, extroverts who I've talked to that are candidates won't let me get a word in edgewise, nor are they saying anything of substance. And it's like they're just talking and just rambling, rambling and going and going. Yeah. I reject them as well. Like I know they're extrovert. Like I, I'm sure they'll love to talk to the hiring manager, but the hiring manager isn't going to like them either because hiring managers don't like when they they can't get their word in. Like they they don't like candidates that come in and, and try to like run the interview. From yeah. what I've seen in my experience, now don't get me wrong. I don't want to ever say a hundred percent of anything, yeah. but ninety percent for sure. Like I've seen them. Like nah, that's not going to work. Like I couldn't even get my questions in, and they'd be pissed off about it. Like <laughs> they'd be mad, you know, that they didn't get a chance to really like lead the interview. Like it was the candidate doing all yeah. the talking. Um, so you you want to try to strike that balance. Mm-hmm. Um, is is what I've seen that works best. Yeah. Man, that's so good. Bro, thank you so much for being on. Before, before we wrap up, I want to give you the floor. If there's anything that you uh, that you want to share with the people, I definitely want to give you that opportunity. Oh, yeah, man. Um, honestly, at at the core of, of who I am and what I want to do, I do want to I want to see everybody win and succeed. So yeah. definitely find me on LinkedIn. Um, shoot me a note. I'm not going to get to everybody, you know, immediately, but I do try to set up some calls. And what I try to do is just there's a lot of people right now, um, and I, I love them for it, who are giving out you know, interview tips, resume writing advice. I really try to help people think about their job search strategically. Yeah. Um, and then, because there's enough out there to help you, you know, tactically, like your resume and all that kind of stuff, but moving with intention and, and kind of understanding what's your, your end game or what's your next goal and, yeah. and kind of be able to zoom out and be like, okay, I move these pieces in this way like that should help me get there a lot faster yeah. that's that's why i like to try to help people get through so uh yeah man let's, let's get this money yo i love it <laughs> love it <laughs>